Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. We're in the middle of a series right now called Let's Talk About Church. And a couple of weeks ago, I started the series, and last week, uh, Steve-O did part two. Didn't he do a great job last week? Those of you guys who were here last week, thought he did a great job last week. And... Um, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up on part three. It's part three of the series, but it's actually part two of a talk that I started uh, two weeks ago. It was a really strange phrase to me when the Lord said it to me, but uh, I believe that he told me he wanted to teach, uh, teach the church how to come to church, not why you should come to church, but actually how you should come to church. And the first point that we made was that you were supposed to come to church unashamed. You're supposed to come to church unashamed. I'm, not, I'm under no false impressions that most of you didn't grow up in church or have been to church. Or, uh, and the truth be told, most of us in here, uh, we are Christians. And so because we are Christians, because we've made Jesus the personal Lord and Savior of our life, he took away our shame so that we could come to him unashamed. <clears throat> what you have to understand about the, the way that the Holy Spirit convicts, I'm not saying shame doesn't exist. The Holy Spirit actually does convict those who have not been born again of their sin, and they will feel shame. That's just how it works. He does convict the world, the unbeliever, of their sin. And in convicting them of their sin that produces this, these emotions, these feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation, then when he offers a, a substitute, when he offers Jesus and says, you can continue to feel guilty, shameful, and, and regretful, or you can accept Jesus and never have to feel that way again. So that's why the, whole, the Holy Spirit will convict unbelievers of their sin. But the beautiful uh, mirror to that is he convicts the world of their sin. He convicts the believer of their righteousness. So just as much as he'll come and convict a, an unbeliever of their sin to push them to Jesus, he'll convict a believer of their righteousness to get them back to Jesus. To remind them, hey, you don't have to feel this way. You don't, he took on your shame. He took the guilty, the, the guilty verdict so you could forever be called not guilty. So when you come back to church, especially as a believer, you can come back to church and you should come to church unashamed. I love what Keith said. He's like, you're not here, to get, you're not here at church today to get back on God's good side. If he's your personal Lord and Savior, you stay on his good side. I, I don't think y'all believe that. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm on his good side. Turn to your other and say, I don't know about you, but I'm on his good side. <laughs> you stay... You stay on his good side because of what Jesus did. So we talked about how to come to church, number one, come to church unashamed. And number two, we said you got to come to church in faith. you got to come to church in faith. you got to come to church believing that there's an answer here for you, believing that God wants to encounter you, believing that you're going to hear a, a scripture or a, or a piece of his word that may bring deliverance and, and freedom. The Bible says you'll know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. You have to believe that, the, that, that we all live, this is the truth, we all live in a certain degree of bondage. We all live in a certain degree of bondage, but it's the truth of God. Jesus is the truth, but it's his truth that sets us free. You have to come in faith to church every single Sunday, believing that God's going to encounter you, believing that God's going to encourage you, and believing that God and his truth is going to set you free. Amen? So those are the things we talked about uh, last week, and I kind of want to continue that thought of how to come to church if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. Um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 uh, is what most people consider the most famous message that Jesus ever preached. He, he starts off the, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 with what we call the Beatitudes. 
where he goes down and, and lists several things. Blessed are, this, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the humble. He, he gives all these blessings. And, and after he does that, he goes into a couple scriptures, verses 13 through 16, talking about we're the salt of the earth. Uh, then he says we're a city on a hill. He says a few more things. <clears throat> but then he gets to verse 17, and this is what I want to touch on just for just a second. And, and just bear with me, this first part uh, has, has a propensity to get a little teachy, but you've got to understand some background before we move much further. Uh, it says in verse 17, it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. So this is Jesus speaking. Do not think that I have come to abolish or get rid of the law or get rid of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of the law. I am the fulfillment of everything that, everything that the prophets prophesied would come. For truly, I, and that in and of itself is borderline blasphemy. Put yourself in their situation and you're like, oh, wait a minute. So you're the one that takes away the law? He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm not the one that takes it. I just fulfill it. And they're like, oh, you that good, huh? You can just do it all. So he's already, he's already pushing the envelope a little bit here. He says, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until all of it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will, not, <clears throat> will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says something very interesting here. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the, of the Pharisees, exceeds the righteousness of the scribes. Now, mind you, these scribes, these Pharisees, these were known as, these are goody-goodies of the day. These are the ones that were supposed to be doing it all right. And Jesus is literally saying, okay, unless your righteousness is better than their righteousness, you're not going to make it. That in and of itself was borderline blasphemy. He's saying, unless you're better than the best that you know, you're not going to make it. What, what's, he, what's he hinting at? It's a, it's a hint, hint to maybe there's a different righteousness available. Maybe what you think is righteousness or the righteousness that actually qualifies you, maybe it's not what you think. It's interesting, and he goes on, and I want to read this. Verse 21 says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to, to the council, and whoever says you fool will be li liable to the hell of fire. Now, this is an interesting phrase, he, and the different translations say it different ways, but he, he, he says, you've heard it said this way, but I say this. And what's interesting, is he doesn't just, it's not just you've heard, you've heard it said, and then he names just some random abstract thing. No, he literally is saying, he's, he, he does this six times. This is the first of six times that he, that he does this. He says, you've heard it said, and then he quotes the law, but I say, <laughs> but I say. Now, mind you, he just finished saying he didn't come to take away the law. So he's not saying the law says this, but you don't have to do that anymore. Notice what Jesus does. He says the law says this, but I say, and then he finishes it up with a higher call, with a higher commandment. One of, one of the scriptures uh, in, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say, even if you look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. 
Which one of those is, is a higher standard, the law or what Jesus said? He's, he's introducing this concept of a new covenant, this covenant of love. You ever heard the phrase that your, your wife sounds like the Holy Spirit? You ever heard that phrase? I think stories like this are proof positive that, the, that, the, that wives actually have something deeper. Here's how I know this. If, 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 a, if you're a husband, your wife, you're walking down the street and a really attractive woman walks by and then the husband just turns, looks her up and down and goes, mm, 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 mm. And the, the wife says, excuse me, what are you looking at? He goes, I'm not having an affair. I'm not having an affair. I'm just thinking about it. What does the wife say? Oh, that's okay. As long as you're not actually having an affair, look all you want. No, they sound like the Holy Spirit and go, oh, really? <laughs> that was a little more awkward than I thought it was going to be now that I said it out loud. <laughs> Jesus isn't taking away the law. Jesus isn't saying, okay, don't commit adultery. He's taking it another level. He says, don't have holy eyes in such a way that you don't even think about it. He calls to a higher standard. See, there's this misconception that if you preach the gospel of grace, you're preaching a lower standard of holiness or a lower standard of following him. And he's saying, no, I, I didn't come to lower the standard. I came to fulfill the original standard, then give you a higher one. I didn't come to back it up. I didn't, I didn't come to say, oh, let's, just, let's see if we can make this a little easier for you guys to do. No, he said, you can't do even the easy version. I'm going to fulfill the easy version that qualifies you in the eyes of your father so that you no longer have to live from the, the law of sin and death, but now you can live from this law of life. We're called to a higher standard. Jesus didn't come to get rid of the standard. He came to change the standard. He fulfilled the original standard and then said, now I'm going to give you a new standard or a or a different standard, but we have to ask the question, if that's the case, where does this new standard come from? Where does this new standard of, if it's not the law, then what is it? Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read, uh, it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit of reading, but just let this sink in. I'm going to read it slow, but just let this sink in. This one doesn't really need much explanation. It's pretty self-explanatory here. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's how we started off today. That's one of the things we've been talking about. You don't have to come to church full of shame, guilt, and condemnation. You can come unashamed if you're in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Notice he doesn't attack the law. He attacks our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead do what? Follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always 
hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature could never please God. But you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, He lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, all of this is summed up in this beautiful statement. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Notice it connects you being led to the Spirit by you getting to be called a son. Notice the connection here. Notice notice he's telling us how we connect to our inheritance as sons, not our wages as slaves, our inheritance as sons. Under the under the law, we had wages we had the wages of slaves. If we if we did good, we got good. If we did bad, we got bad. We got wages. We got we got what we earned. But because of what Jesus did, we get the inheritance of sons and daughters. We get for free what somebody else paid for. And he says it's the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God that connects us to the free things that Jesus bought and paid for. I want to read Romans 8, verse 2 from a different translation. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of of sin and death. See, you got to understand something. It's easy to quote, say, we've been, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We're free from the law. We're free from the old covenant. We're free from this, this covenant of sin and death. Yes, that's true. You have been freed from that covenant, but now you've been empowered by another one. We're still called to live from a place of covenant. And this scripture tells us what that new covenant is. It's not the law of sin and death anymore. It's the law of the Spirit of life. It's, a, it's the law that sets you free. It's the law that comes to those who are hidden in Christ Jesus. I said all of this to just to say this. You are called, every single one of us are called to live life by the Spirit. Every single one of us are called to live life by the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that is still speaking today. There's a scripture that says man shouldn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That word proceeds, it actually means the way it's it's structured in the language, it means continuing to proceed. So he's not saying that man, he's saying man doesn't just live on the things that God said. Man lives on the things that God will always be saying. God never stops talking. We stop listening. We may stop listening, but he never stops talking. And we're called to live on the preceding 
words of God. And it is the Spirit of God that quickens us to hear not, what, not just what God has said, but what God is saying. You are called to live life led by the Spirit of God so as to hear not just what God has said before or what once worked before, but what God is saying today, what will work for you today. <clears throat> Here's some things, and I, I, I want to talk about this for just a second because if we're called to live, by, live led by the Spirit, then you have to come to church. It's part of living. You have to come to church prepared to be led by the Spirit of God. You come to church prepared to be led in every single thing that we do in here, be led by the Spirit of God. Here's some things that you can expect from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is continually revealing new things to us. He's continually revealing new things to us. He's continually requiring new things from us. New things from us. I, uh, it's funny, I didn't know if I'd go here or not, but I, I guess we will. Um, I actually don't have a problem. It's funny, I'm actually doing this. I actually don't have a problem with drinking. I, there was a, I grew up in a household where if you, you know, the way we were all trained and taught is drinking's just, you, you might as well just go on straight to hell. I mean, just glass of wine, you're out, you know. And, um, and I think that there's some things where I'm like, okay, I don't know if I believe that anymore. I can't find a scripture for that. So I actually don't, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, the Bible's pretty clear. Don't drink more than you should. Uh, but I actually don't have a problem with drinking. I don't know if I'd have said that if it weren't for the fact that about a year ago, Leanne let the cat out of the bag. We have a glass of wine for our budget meeting, so we don't fight as much. So there you have it. So, uh, <laughs> is what it is. <clears throat> but the Spirit of God is continually requiring new things from us. See, the Spirit of God, you can have a scripture that says that you can drink, and you can have an unction from the Holy One that says, don't you dare. See, I, I, have a, I, I don't have a conviction that drinking is wrong, but I'll tell you, there have been times where the Lord said, don't even touch it. Not today. Not for this week. Not for this month. Not for this year. Therein lies one of the dangers. Some of us are not convicted by the Holy Spirit. We're convicted by what other people are convicted by. See, even this is one of the dangers of, of, of how you look at a spiritual leader, how you look at a pastor. You can hear me say, well, I actually don't have a problem with drinking. And one husband nudges his wife and goes, see, I can drink now. <laughs> not because I said so. There, there are situations where maybe it ain't good for you, bro. It just ain't good. And, here's, here's the, and it's not just because maybe you have a past of this or maybe it's, there's, there's some struggles that you've had or there's some healthy. Not just because of that. What did the Holy Spirit of God tell you to do? How do I know that that's even possible? Because the old covenant gave very black and white things to do. But the new covenant of Jesus, the new covenant of the kingdom says, I'm going to raise the bar. You have to continually listening, be listening to the words that are continually proceeding out of my mouth to know what you're supposed to do in this moment. And what you're supposed to do in this moment might be put it down. See, it's a high standard. I, I remember going to this event and, uh, in, in L.A., and, and I was there, and there was, I mean, there was some who's who uh, of the church. I mean, some, some of the most amazing pastors. I mean, the, 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 the 
I, I'm actually not going to name names because I don't want you to get this twisted. There was, there was some who's who, some worship teams, worship bands, major preachers. They're all over TV. You read their books. You listen to their podcasts. It was the who's who. Now, how we got invited, because I'm not one of the who's who. In fact, I had one lady walk by at one time, and she just kind of looked at me. She goes, now, who are you? And I was like, exactly. I don't know why I'm here either. But, um, <laughs> but we're in this room, and, and it was a cultural thing. Everyone was having a drink. We were celebrating the launch of something big. This one pastor had released something big and done something big, and it was this big celebration. He invited all the who's who. We were there, and everyone was having a drink. Mind you, I just finished saying, I don't have a problem with it. But the, that day, the Lord said, don't you touch it. Don't you touch it. What was he doing? Was he just quoting the law to me that says, don't get drunk? Let me tell you what he was doing. He was saying, you have a problem comparing yourself to all these people already, so you don't get your conviction by, by what they're doing. You get your conviction from me. So all of a sudden, the new covenant of the spirit of life just raised the bar and said, no, 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 not today. Not, not today, homie. And of all the places, it was, no one would have seen, no one would have known. You couldn't even use the scripture. It was, well, Pastor, the Bible says don't be a stumbling block. Okay, then quit cooking good food so people won't be gluttons. You never thought of that one, did you? <laughs> I'm just saying, in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, okay, the bar used to be here for you, but today it's here. He's continually convicting us and requiring new things from us. He's continually raising the standard of living. I went to a, a conference uh, last year, and... Um, I was listening to this, this preacher. I'll tell you who it was because she's amazing. Jen Johnson was preaching. and I mean, she preached one of the most powerful messages that I've ever heard, one of the most convicting messages I've ever heard. And she, and she said something in the middle of her, of, her, uh, of her talk. And me and Leanne looked at each other at the same time and were thinking the exact same thing. We had started watching this TV series uh, on HBO that we actually liked, but it had some it, it, it was sketch. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. If you know what sketch means. It was a little sketch. But it's like, you know, we're adults. I've seen this before. I've heard that word before. And we had kind of just plowed through some of, that, some of that stuff. And so, and now you're all sitting there wondering, what, what was the show? Well, it was, this, it was this really cool little show called None of Your Business. Uh, <laughs> but we're, sit, we're sitting there in that service, and she's talking and all of a sudden, we both look at each other and go, at the same time, we go, I ain't watching that show ever again. Now, th there's no scripture that talks, specifically talks about what shows you should or should not watch. Now, you can, you can talk about the different ear gates, eye gates. There's, there's, there's supporting scriptures to those things. But here's what I love about the Holy Spirit. He's constantly, he, if, you're, if you want to grow and mature in the kingdom, then he will give you the things that you need to do to mature. If you don't, you won't hear them. If you really don't want to grow, if you really don't want to mature, if you're just happy where you are, you're like, man, the Holy Spirit never convicts me of anything. Like, no, he's he talking. He's talking. You just ain't listening. But if you're hungry, if you want to grow, if you want to learn, if you want to mature, he's every now and then he'll say, oh, you, you want to grow? What about this little thing over here? And I was like, ah, I changed my mind. I think I'm good where I'm at. You know? he'll, he'll give you something. And, and, and at that moment, it was like, hang on just a second. And, I, and I, of course, at the moment, I, I, I had this, this image of this pastor taught a message. And he said, 
He talked about living, always being conscious of the presence of God. And he took this napkin, and he threw this napkin over his shoulder, and he said, if you'll live with this, and he, this napkin, he said, it's like the Holy Spirit, he's with you all the time. He said, so just, this is how you do it, live conscious of the presence. Would I watch this show if the Holy Spirit was sitting here watching it with me? Would I listen to that song? Would I, would I crack this joke? Would I laugh at that joke? Would I make this comment about my coworker to another coworker? What is it? It's called living by the Spirit that raises the standard of the law. That's constantly calling us up. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will highlight scriptures to you. He'll highlight a scripture. You ever been in a situation where you're, you're reading your Bible or the pastor's reading, the, you're listening to a podcast or something, you hear a scripture, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I didn't know that was in there. And all of a sudden, you feel an impression internally about how you should respond to this scripture that you just found out about. Anybody else been there? That's the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important to have the word continually going in your ears. Continually going in your ears. It's amazing the technology we have today. You don't even have to like to read because I don't. But I can continually having the word coming in my ears through audio books, the Bible on audio, preaching, pod, I can continually have the, the, the word going in. And here's what's beautiful about it. If I continually have the word going in my ears, I, can, I am continually giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity to convict me to call me to a higher standard, to call me to change the way I think, to call me to change the way that I live, just by hearing the word. Here's another thing that the Holy Spirit will do. He'll change how you previously interpreted certain scriptures. You ever been in a situation where you're like, man, you know, I've heard this scripture a thousand times, but man, I don't think I've ever heard it quite that way. Or if I have, I don't think it quite meant this thing to me. What is that? That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. He's changing the way you think. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way that you think. The Holy Spirit is partnering with the Word of God to transform you into the person you were called to be all along by changing the way that you think. It can be personally convicting. Sometimes he'll just, it ain't got nothing to do with Scripture. He'll be like, hey, stop watching that show like I talked about. Don't touch this. Don't do this. It can be very, very personal. These are just some of the ways that the, that the Holy Spirit works. But like I said, that, here's how you're supposed to come to church, led by the Spirit. But guess what? This is not just on you. This is on me too. I don't get the luxury of building a perfect little program and saying, this is what we do for our program at our church. We come in. We do our three songs. We welcome guests. We preach a message. We take an offering. And we're out. See, I don't get the luxury of doing that. I don't get the luxury of, of having it my way. I, I have to come to church the same way you have to come to church. The leadership team here, the worship team, we have to come to church prepared to be led. And guess what? He might change what you need to do that day. I love what Keith did. Never seen this done before. Hey, ministry time. I'm going to stop talking. Just sit there. That, that's not, that wasn't in the program. That wasn't in, it's not something you learn in Bible school. Of here's, oh, here's how you do ministry time. You just don't say anything. No, we have a responsibility to produce a spirit-led service. You have a responsibility to come prepared to be led by the Spirit, which means the Spirit of God may lead me to say something I wasn't planning to say, so it'll challenge something in the way that you think. And now it's on you. Now that it's challenging the way you think, you can't say, well, that's not the way we used to do it. 
that's not the way I've heard it before. I, 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 I wrote three things down because I'm, I'm out of time, and I, but I, I want to talk about it. real quick. Three things, three hindrances to a spirit-led church service. Three hindrances to a spirit-led church services. Number one, religion. Here's what religion says. It already knows what it believes. Religion thinks it already knows what it believes. Religion has somehow elevated so high that it has figured out an infinite God in a small amount of time. Congratulations. I'm not anti-denominational, but I'm going to tell you what I am. I'm anti any establishment that has already decided what it's going to believe from now until Jesus comes back. I am against that because that's the spirit of religion, and it's an anti-spirit-led system. In other words, the, if you've already got it made, if you've already made your mind up what you believe, then what are you going to do when the spirit convicts and says, I know you thought it meant this, but what if it means this? Religion says, nope, won't do it. We already know. It's in our tenets of faith, and I don't want to rewrite them. Religion already has a preconceived idea of what it believes. So since it already knows, the Spirit comes to change it, comes to correct it, comes to adjust it. Nope. So literally the Spirit of God stops working right there. It goes hand in hand with the second thing that will, will hinder a church service from being led by the Spirit of God. Pride. Pride cannot be taught anything because pride already knows everything. And let me explain the two. The, I've done this before, but let me just do it again. Pride has, pride has two, two faces, arrogance and insecurity. Pride is just looking at self too much. So, so pride, pride, if it looks at itself and it likes what it sees and gives credit to the good things in its life to itself and not the finished work of Jesus on the cross, it gets puffed up in arrogance. And therefore, the grace of God cannot flow because the Bible says God give grace to the humble and he resists the proud. So just by looking at yourself and being, oh man, I, I'm pretty awesome. You've just stopped the flow of grace in your life. You've stopped the flow of the Spirit in your life. In the same way, if you look at yourself and you don't like what you see and you slide over to insecurity, you have just devalued what Jesus did on the cross that called you beautiful. You don't have a right to have a bad thought about you. You don't have a right to be insecure because literally if you're hidden in Christ, you're saying there's something about Jesus you don't like. Just think about this. If you're hidden in Christ and you're looking at yourself through the mirror and the finished work of Christ, no matter what you see, you see one thing. Jesus it means you can't take credit for the good and you no longer see the bad. But pride will stop the flow of the Spirit of God. And the last one, and we'll close with this, fear. Fear. Fear will stop the flow, will stop a Spirit-led church service, will stop a, a spirit-led encounter for you in a church service. I, I know this to be true. I've heard people say this. There are some people that have come to our church, absolutely love our church, until the group that they run with found out, found out they went to our church. Oh, you, you one of them now. Pastor, I bring some snakes out. Did they talk in tongues? Did, did they... Did they do that thing where in between the, the worship and the preaching, made everybody gather up and touch everybody? 
and they'll, the fear of being disqualified from a group of people or being looked at a certain way will cause them to ignore what they know they felt, what they know they experienced. And the pressure of the culture and the pressure of the people around them, the pressure of their family, and they'll say, you know what? I'm afraid of what my life might look like without them. <laughs> I just can't imagine doing this. I choose them over him. <laughs> and here's the I'm, reason I'm, I'm emotional about this is because I realize we all do it every single day. We all do this every single day. Lord moves on our heart to do something for a waitress or someone in a restaurant we see, and instantly the fears of insecurity of what's everybody else in the restaurant going to think if I go over and do this. I'm more concerned about pleasing them than I am about pleasing him. I don't want the Spirit of God to stop working in my life. I don't want fear in my life. I don't want the religious spirit. And you don't have to be a denomination or religion. Let me just say this, non-denominational, it's a denomination, pretty much. We've all got the things we think we believe and we think we got it all figured out. But far be it for me to think, and no matter what it is that we're doing, that I ever arrive to the place that I stop changing, that I stop learning, that I stop listening, and I stop saying maybe there's something we're doing that's not exactly what God is saying. I don't want the spirit of religion. I don't want pride in my life. I don't want pride in this ministry. I don't want pride in these church services. And I don't want fear. I don't want fear in me. I don't want to be so afraid to try something. I don't want to be so afraid to give a word of knowledge and might be wrong and y'all not think I'm as spiritual as I want you to think that I am. When that word of knowledge, if I get it right, might bring freedom might bring healing. I don't want fear working in this church, and I don't want you so afraid to come to experience, to lift your hands in worship. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible all the areas of fear that exist in our everyday life. And all it's doing is it's keeping the spirit of the living God from calling us up, 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 up. This is how you come to church. This is how I got to come to church. I got to come to church every Sunday. And I may have a message prepared, but I've got to be ready to listen. If he says, no, not today. We're going to worship some more. Or I want you to talk about this. Or I want you to stop the service, have everybody stand, lay hands on people. I have to be led that way, but so do you. And let me tell you what, so do you in the foyer. What if the Lord gives you a word to lay hands on someone in the foyer? Well, I don't know what the church really thinks about that. You're not going to answer to the church. You don't answer to the church. You answer to him. I want the spirit of God leading every single thing that we do at this church. That's how you come to church. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.